If God forgives all our sins on Yom Kippur, why must we ask for atonement throughout Elul and the 10 days of Teshuvah? Welcome to the Transformative Daf. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 18 of Tractate Nazir, and we learn that it doesn't take time for God to forgive us, but it often takes time for us to un unburden ourselves. Welcome to the Transformative Daf, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. The year was 2005 and the province of Alberta was celebrating its centennial. To mark the occasion, Queen Elizabeth II came out for a royal visit. Local leaders were invited to a special dinner with the Queen and a very pregnant Batya and I were honored to be on the guest list. While there were admittedly a thousand people in the room, we were blessed with being seated a mere two tables away from the head. It goes without saying that we made sure to reply that we required kosher meals, and the government made the arrangements with Chef Eddie from our shul. Eddie was given the menu and instructed to reproduce it. The big evening arrived and we were presented with our meals, delivered to our table direct from the kosher kitchen by Eddie himself. Amazingly, Eddie was able to get the kosher meals to match precisely with the non-kosher dishes. There was just one small issue. Our portions were twice as large as everyone else's. As divine providence would have it, Batya's mother was in town in anticipation of our daughter Joey's imminent birth. Sylvia was so excited to be there. As a European, she was particularly enamored by the notion of royalty. Can you imagine her joy when she learnt of the Queen's plans to hold a procession through the city culminating in the renaming of the provincial museum, the Royal Alberta Museum? She made sure to get there early to secure a spot along the road where she would be able to greet the Queen. But alas, she didn't really need to arrive so far in advance. A little bit of rain and most Edmontonians had chosen to stay home. Sylvia stood there on Jasper Avenue with a few dozen others who had braved the elements and had the opportunity of a lifetime to greet the Queen personally. Today's staff discusses a Nazir who was subjected to multiple impurities. According to Rabbi Yossi, a single sacrificial offering atones for all the transgressions. Let's look at the Gemara. If a Nazir became impure by contracting several consecutive impurities, he brings only one set of offerings. Who taught that? Rav Chista said it is Rabbi Yossi's son Rabbi Yehuda, who said the Nazir's purity takes effect from the seventh day of its purification process. And you find this, multiple consecutive impurities, where he became impure on the seventh day and after the purification process, again became impure on the seventh day. Since the appropriate time, the eighth day, to bring an offering had not yet arrived, he is obligated to bring only one set of offerings. Let's analyze the Gemara. Whenever a person commits a transgression, there's a powerful recourse called teshuva. The process consists of three elements, confession of one's deeds, true remorse, and a wholehearted commitment not to be a repeat offender. Our sages instruct us, repent one day before you die, and we have teshuva built into our daily prayer services, particularly during the Shemona Esrei and Tachnon prayers. But then along come the annual days of awe, and we devote the period specifically to teshuva. Why do we need the Yamim Nairaim and the 10 days of repentance when we can do teshuva year-round? Rambam explains that while it is good to cry out and repent during the period of the 10 days time between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it is exceedingly better, and the supplication is, pres is presently accepted. As it says, seek Hashem while he may be found. In fact, our rabbis extend this propitious period to the entire month of Elul, for that was the time that Moshe spent atop Mount Sinai receiving the second tablets.
offers a parable to explain the days of Elul. Throughout the year, the king sits upon his throne in his magnificent palace. For the average person, it's almost impossible to get an audience with the king. It takes months to get an appointment, and if he agrees to see you, you can spend half a day just going through security to enter the inner chamber. Once a year, however, the king leaves the palace and travels around the country, greeting his subjects. It's much easier to see him then. All you need to do is line up by the side of the road as his procession passes by, and if it's a rainy day, you're really in luck. In the same vein, it's not impossible to commune with the Supreme King of Kings throughout the year, but it takes much greater effort. He always accepts our teshuva, but most of us won't do what it takes to jump through the hoops needed for true teshuva and kapara atonement. During the month of Elul, however, the king is in the field and ready to greet anyone who goes out to see him. All you need to do is show up and all your sins will be forgiven. Once a year, you are granted the opportunity to say sorry for everything you've done throughout the past year and in one fell swoop, all is forgiven. You become like the Nazir who has experienced multiple sources of impurity. All you need is a single sacrifice, a single shot of atonement, and suddenly the slate is wiped clean. You might have done some things during the year of which you're not so proud. You might be living with remorse and regret over some occasion that the Sahara got the better of you. You want to believe that the Almighty will open his storehouse of blessing and help you achieve your dreams, but you think, I'm not deserving of his blessing. I've made some bad choices. Why should God bless me? And then Yom Kippur rolls around and all is forgiven. No longer must you live burdened by regret over your actions. God completely removes the sin. Anything that has held you back, it's as if it never happened. So if it's guaranteed to happen on Yom Kippur, why, what then is the purpose of Elul? Why bother with all the lead-up prayers? Why stay up late on Slichus night and get up early each morning as Yom Kippur approaches? Why go to all the trouble with extra prayers if God is prepared to wipe the slate clean anyway? The reason we spend so long saying sorry is not because God needs it. It's easy for God to forgive us. But we're human, and sometimes we have more difficulty forgiving ourselves. It's all well and good to know that you can show up to Shul and Yom Kippur and God will forgive you, but some sins are just too big and burdensome. As mere mortals with feelings, emotions, and doubts, we often can't forgive ourselves in a mere instant. The month of Elul and the 10 days of Teshuvah give us the opportunity to process God's forgiveness and come to terms with the reality that He has wiped the slate clean. Slicha after Slicha talks about the Almighty's storehouse of forgiveness. By the time you've repeated the mantra over and over that he is overflowing with forgiveness, you can finally find peace inside your soul and move on. When you live with the burden of sin, you tie yourself down and deny yourself the chance to accomplish the great things the Almighty has sent you to achieve on earth. God doesn't want you to wallow in your shackles. He wants to set you free. That happens guaranteed on Yom Kippur. If after reciting all the slichas, you still can't accept that God has forgiven and unburdened you, your obsession is no longer emanating from a pure source. It stems from the machinations of your Yetzirah that doesn't want you to move on. The Satan knows that once you forgive yourself, you will accomplish incredible things. He wants to keep you from becoming your best. And so he tells you, you must continue to feel bad about what you've done. So long as you feel awful, you will plod along in mediocrity. Your father in heaven loves you more than any mortal parent loves a child. 
He promises to forgive you on Yom Kippur. May you accept his forgiveness wholeheartedly and proceed to become the outstanding individual you were destined to be, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.